we got to knock out the command post. Come on. From Kenner's Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection, an Imperial attack base that you put together. Stormtroopers behind that gun. Chewbacca and Han Solo and Imperial Stormtrooper action figures each sold separately. You can press the ice levers to pretend the mine explodes. You okay? Yeah. And make the bridge fall. That was close. Command post in sight. Fire. Nice job. Imperial attack base from Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. From Kenner. Okay, okay. Welcome to Galaxy of Toys podcast, the discussion about Star Wars toys of the past, present, and future. My name is Jason. Joining me tonight from IGrowUpStarWars.com, the OT curmudgeon Tom. Hello, Tom. Hi, everybody. I just saw that you posted on your uh, website, IGrowUpStarWars.com, some photos from our good friend Dave at Flagpoints. Uh, yeah, just a few seconds ago, actually, and uh, very cool. They look they look uh, great, and thanks, Dave. So one of them got that, that that Empire Strikes Back box of the Probot and the, and the uh, Rebel uh, turret. Yep. But yep. the photo that I like is, stre- is the Stretch Monster photo from 1978. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I long to get another Stretch Armstrong figure and stretch monster they're so hard to come by they're so expensive now and even the ones that you can buy are really in delicate condition but it's it's something that i really want well if if you look at that picture that is pretty much the epitome of my childhood right there (laughs) that photo right there yeah that box is torn open and yeah and probably (laughs) yours too jason and and probably everybody on this call to be honest with you the uh the good old Stretch Armstrong that I had, I had, I think I probably said it before, as soon as my dad saw it leaking, he threw it away. <laughs> so that was that. Also, also joining us tonight from from ForlomTazuckus.com, Jake. Hello, Jake. Hi, guys. How are we doing? We're doing good. How are you doing, doing Jakey? I'm doing good. Now, Tom, you're uh, always adding photos. You got a number? How many photos you got in your gallery now? I am up to, oh, there we go. Wait a second. Uh, 601 photos in the gallery at igrowupstarwars.com. Of all vintage goodness, huh? Grow. Oh, yeah. Growing uh, weekly. So uh, very pleased. I think there's a little bit of an uptick here in the last couple of months. So can never complain about that. Good stuff. Awesome. And also joining us tonight, uh, well, Chris B. from JediBusiness.com might chime in later. Our good friend Ryan, who collects them all, will not be here tonight. But we have a very special guest tonight, author Mark Palomo. Hello, Mark. Hi, guys. How are you? And hello to the, to the listening audience this evening. How is everyone doing? We're doing great. At least doing I am. good, Mark. I'm doing great, Mark. Mark, you were on our show. It's hard to believe, but it was a year and a half ago. I can't, I, it seems like you were on not that long ago, but I think it really was like a year and a half ago. It, it seemed like it was last week or last month, but yeah. I, I feel liver spots popping up on my hands as we're talking, <laughs> but uh, I don't like to think, I, I, my my uh, my view of the world is like driving in New York City, just drive forward, move forward, don't look back, move forward. And uh, we started with you, we start, you were on episode 12, for, for those who listening who want to check out the uh, previous episode that Mark was on, it's episode number 12. Just go to galaxyoftoys.podbean.com. Look in the archive, uh, episode 12. I think it's uh, summer of 2013 episodes, I believe. 
Anyways, it's a good one. That actually started our vintage uh, retrospective. We started from 1978 with you. I remember we covered all the LP long playing toys on that episode. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed that, and that that really helped me kind of focus on that aspect uh, of the book. Yeah. And uh, anytime I get to talk to to a bunch of collectors, diehard collectors, it it gives me pause to really listen. <laughs> to what everyone's talking about, and I, I took like two pages of notes so I could go back and do some research. So thank you very much for that yeah. as well. And 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 what you know, I uh, I've enjoyed your books for years. Um, your Ultimate Guide to GI Joe, I've read probably ten or twelve times. But what inspired me to actually have you on our show the last time was you posted something on Facebook that hinted that you may be writing a book about vintage Star Wars figures. And once I saw that, I messaged you and asked you if you wanted to be on the show and talk about your book. Now, at the time, you couldn't talk about the book because you had some non-disclosure agreements, so you really couldn't talk about it, which was fine. We still had a great time talking about the long playing toys, but now you're here and you can finally talk about the book. And, you know, it's a timely interview uh, that you have me there tonight because the good and the bad of it is the book is, has been very successful to the extent where the first printing is already sold out. And the second we went back to print and the second printing was released today. So uh, on December 17th. Okay. So it's uh, it's very fortunate that that we're talking about this now. I'm you know I, I don't like to use the word blessed. I, I reserve that for you know miracles and saints and stuff like that. But but I'm really fortunate to to be in this position that that people seem to to like um, what's being offered. So I, I appreciate you guys having me on very very much. And and for those listening, the book is called The Ultimate Guide to Vintage Star Wars Action Figures, 1977 through 1985. And it is available um, pretty much everywhere where books are sold. You can get it also on KrauseBooks.com. That's K-R-A-U-S-E Books.com and Amazon.com. And what I tell people is, Buy the book wherever it's cheapest. I mean, it's on Walmart.com. I think Amazon's running it for, for between $14 and $17, um, which is basically half of the cover price. So wherever you can buy it cheapest, you know, please don't spend. I, I'd rather you spend that extra money on actual Star Wars toys and have this as a supplement. <laughs> now, Mark, is it still available for uh, ebook format? Because I know that Kraus was com was offering it as a bonus, but is that something you can buy as well? Right now, I'm talking to Krause about re-releasing it in ebook format as well. Uh, eventually, all my books go to Kindle, but the promotion was so successful that I think we are going to be running it again. But that won't be for at least a month or two, so I wouldn't I wouldn't hold my breath on it right now, um, because again, if they offered it Krause, it's going to be you know twenty eight dollars for the book and the ebook, which would be worth it. But you know, if you really want to get prepped for for Star Wars Rebels, which has been a very interesting show, and get prepped for The Force Awakens, then then you know don't don't wait for the promise of something that may not happen. It's definitely fun to kind of curl up with a good, you know, book. You can't really do that with an ebook. I mean, <laughs> iPads, that kind of thing is great, but 
to uh, to to sit there and turn the pages is definitely still something that a lot of people really should still enjoy. So yeah, for and sure. I, for some reason, guys, and and I'm I'm kind of curious based on on your experience. I, I don't want to say that that collectible books have been bulletproof in the wake of the Great Recession, but for some reason, collectors maybe it's it's the comic book nerd inside of us that insists upon the print copy. How do you guys feel about electronic copies of of comics, electronic copies of guides? For me personally, I like to own the physical copies. I I'm I don't mind looking at 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 copies online, but I like real comic books. I like to look at the ads. I like to look at the you know the letter pages and and uh, I like books and comics. And it's the and it's the collector in me that wants them. I think I'll right. I'll echo what Jason just said for sure. That's that's two from to for us. Absolutely, I uh, I go the I hit the comic book uh, shop a couple times a month, and it's you know you get exposed to a lot more. If you're just downloading your comic, then you just get your comic. But if you're you know browsing a comic book shop, you get exposure to a lot more. And plus, yeah, I love. I love filing them away in the long box after they've been uh, read and pulling them out every once in a while and, you know, making lists. It's, yeah, it's very tactile. I'm sure it's all a collector gene in us somewhere, but, yeah, I don't have any time for digital stuff. Now, I think Chris, though, who uh, is not with us yet. or I don't No, know he, he, will just, be. he just joined the call. Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody. Chris How's, B. From, Jedi, from JediBusiness.com. It's Chris, a.k.a. Chris B. Hello, Chris. Hey. Hey, guys. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Mark? I'm all right. I'm all right. Cool, cool. We're just oh, talking about um, tactile copies of books, comic books, collectible books, versus electronic copies. And your name came up. Um, you know, a, a lot of collectors seem to think that having that physical copy is important. Where, where, do, you, where do you land on, on that issue? Um, physical copy, definitely. I think that's... Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm a physical guy. I, you know, I, I like to have both because I like the idea of having my stuff with me, you know, in case I want to look something up and you're on a bus or on a train or something. Um, but there's just something about having a physical copy in your hands and going through it. Um, yeah, so physical copy for me, for sure. Right on. Now, Mark, I wanted to, I, I'm, I'm, I want to know your, your thoughts on this. Uh, Star Wars came out nearly 40 years ago <laughs> why are we we're in our 30s and 40s now why are we still talking about the toys well you know i i think it's it's probably like some sort of holden caulfield catcher in the rye type syndrome where where we're always trying to get back we're always reaching for that golden ring on that merry-go-round we're always trying to get back from that that moment the current moment of experience to go back to that more innocent that better vanished time and I think that's what these do. I mean, I think when you're holding Luke Skywalker, the original Luke Skywalker from 78, and you're sliding up his little yellow lightsaber, it's not just you that's holding that Luke. It's you thinking about yourself as a child manipulating that Luke and playing with it. And it, it takes us back to, to a time when things were a little simpler, I guess. Sorry. And that's the show. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we, we got real deep there. We, we were all reminiscent. I was staring at my Luke figure as you were saying it, and I was, I was almost there as you were talking. But that, I think that's what it's about. It's about um, 
And that's what I try and do with my books is it, it can't just be this clinical and, and Krause has, has, God bless him, Krause has really let me go um, in my last few books where when I put out my first edition of The Ultimate Guide to G.I. Joe, I think I gave him 250,000 words and they gave me back 100,000. And then when I gave him my Transformers book, I gave him the same amount of words, 250,000, they gave me back 150,000. And then, you know, this went on to the point where I don't think they really excised that much text because, you know, when I'm when I'm talking about the original Han Solo figure, small head versus large head, blah, 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 I put that in there. But I, I also tried to go into the expanded universe, whatever we're calling it now, <laughs> the Legends universe, the Saga universe, and detail his origin, you know, detail his origin as an orphan. Talk about, you know, the aspect of his character that was like Oliver Twist. Talk about his time in the Imperial Navy. Talk about him meeting Chewbacca. Talk about him getting drummed out of the Corps and then ultimately becoming a, a smuggler. So they let me explore the characters to the extent where it's it's a character guide as well as uh, an action figure reference guide. And I, I thank them for that because I think that makes it eminently readable and, and hopefully re-readable as well okay. yeah that was definitely something that um really jumped out at me when i uh first picked it up i was uh amazed about how much text and background and research you had done on each of uh almost well every character and every uh vehicle here you not only explored the actual toy but also the history of the uh um character in topic which uh I thought was really unique because I'm used to your, you know, I too have a very well-worn copy of your Ultimate G.I. Joe guide, and uh, it's more of just the figure and uh, the details behind the figure. Um, but I also equally read, I don't know if you're familiar with Pablo Hidalgo's uh, G.I. Joe versus Cobra, The Essential Guide. I own it. It's a great book. It's He's a great a very book. Talented writer, very talented writer. Absolutely. Now, that book is just character profiles and doesn't really deal with any toys. So right. it's kind of like you took these two of my favorite books, the character and the toys, and merged it into a Star Wars book. So I was well, uh, thought that was very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. And that's what I tried to do. Like, you know, I'm, I just I have the book in front of me and I flipped open to Bib Fortuna and I, I'm, I'm thinking, OK, I'm looking at this character. If I'm looking at him. So let's say my mother or my girlfriend or a friend of mine bought me this guide for Christmas and I opened it up and I looked at this character for the first time in 30 years and I say to myself, what the heck is that head tail? What are those head tails? You know, I want them to know that that these are tentacles known as as Leku and, and their, you know, sensory organs. I, I, I wanted people to know as much about the, the figures as I did about the characters. Um, and that, that's what I tried to probe in this book. And it, it took, it took a little while. I mean, I think I read like a hundred, 120 different books. And I think the the bibliography only cites about, I used about 75 of them, um, as references. Uh, you know, there are, there are certain books that, that are unavoidable. You know, you can't not use Gus Lopez. You can't not use Stephen Sansweet. These are, you know, these are the Amanis Gris. These are the 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 revered people who have who have established um, the the fan guides that you, that you just have to look back at. So not only the 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 films, but the television show for Droids and Ewoks and the specials and 
and all the reference and resource books that have been put out. I, you know, I took a year and I read all that stuff over and over and <laughs> over and over. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's what it takes for me personally to write, you know, a guide is it has to be a completely immersive experience for an entire year where I'm doing not, you know, I'm reading this when I get up in the morning, then on my way to work, I'm putting, you know, putting on something on my iPod to listen to the narration of, of the original books. And then I'm at work, I've got Empire on in the background. And then I come home and I've got Ewoks Caravan of Courage playing and I've got a, a guy for a year. That's that's what I try and do is just completely immersive experience. So it's a little easier when I want to write the book. Absolutely. It's kind of like you had to recreate in your mind your own like Wikipedia, if you will, and, put all these pieces together. Right. And that was the big one. You know, I yeah, can't yeah. say enough of what that reference site, big plug, huge plug, big neon letters, put it on a piece of paper on your refrigerator with a banana magnet. Wikipedia, I use that 10 to 15 times a day um, when I was researching the in-depth stuff. Um, absolutely essential to anyone who's doing any Star Wars research. The most important Star Wars site on the web, as far as I'm concerned. Now, you you obviously must have a opinion. Then, how do you feel about the uh, the reset of the canon of Star Wars with the story group? Is that does that did that feel like was that a problem for you spending all this time with it, or were you are you okay living in? I think the term is that I've heard now is the Lucasian world of Star Wars, the pre-reset, or what's your feelings or thoughts on that? Um, uh, can I be honest? I'll be honest. Sure. Very, sure. very honest. Uh, I handed in the manuscript uh, in the middle of March, and that announcement was not made until, I believe, early summer, so it didn't impact the writing of this book one iota. Cool. I had no, it, I, I didn't know it was coming down. They made the announcement when the manuscript was being processed in the Pacific Rim, so do I have an opinion on it? Um, uh, you know, when, when, because I work for IDW and I work with Hasbro and for them sometimes, uh, here is my opinion on decisions that are made by marketing executives. Uh, if, if a decision is critically well-received, People are going to want to go back to a better vanished time and buy my book. If a decision is critically panned, people are going to want to go back to a better vanished time and buy my book. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's my stock answer. It's the same answer I have when people ask me, did you like the, the new trilogy? You know, uh, regardless, people are going to want to go back to that, that Holden Caulfield-esque moment and go back to a time when things were pure and things were, you know, it didn't really impact me, that decision. Um, you know, I think, I think it'll, it's going to be very difficult for Disney to go forward with this decision when you have millions of fans who are, who are enamored with, with Timothy Zahn's books, who are enamored with all the ephemera that's been put out for almost 40 years. I think it's going to be very challenging for them. Very challenging. But it's a decision that, that I'm going to have to live with. Of course. Well, you know, like you, you bring up a really good point that, um, 
you kind of have a great, great, I mean, because Wikipedia, as great as it is, but it's going to include all new uh, canning going forward. So it will have all information on here. You have a guide here that's very peer to what was before. Right. Or what has been up until, you know, 2014. Yeah. And And as you said, Wikipedia has already made the division. Yeah. Yeah. They've already gone in and edited their sites to to this, you know, to this decision. So, mm-hmm. you know, all the, all the research I did was pre that decision. So uh, when the second edition comes out, I, I guess I'm going to to have to make that decision in, in two or three years. But as of now, the book's printed. It's out there. Nothing I can do about it. It's out of my hands. Thankfully, mm-hmm. out of my hands. Mark, this this book has 600 uh, color photographs of vintage Star Wars toys. Uh-huh. Um, it pretty much you cover pretty much the complete or the complete released line of U.S. products. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, I remember I was I have watched the uh, the really great uh, collectible spectacle uh, video that's on YouTube. Oh, God, that was 2009. Oh, that was I, a long time. Yeah, I know it was. But I, I have watched that and I thought it was quite fascinating. Um, during that video, you were working, I believe, on your second edition of the G.I. Joe guide mm-hmm. and you had all the gi joe stuff just kind of like set up in, mm-hmm. in one area and mm-hmm. you were preparing it for for photography did mm-hmm. you do something similar with your star wars stuff for for your new book exactly the same thing uh, usually what happens is krause sends a photographer out from their um from their home base in mm-hmm. iola wisconsin um, the only thing that she rents, she brings her, her MacBook Pro with her. She brings her camera and all her lenses with her. Um, the only thing she rents is she rents lights from the city. They're delivered a couple days before she gets here on the plane. She stays at a hotel, and then Monday morning at 8 o'clock, from 8 in the morning till 12 midnight, we work for about three to four days, and we take photographs of, of everything. Um, and we'll take you know photographs of a piece until we feel that the composition is exactly where we want it, until I feel that, okay, for certain vehicles, I want to make sure that we show this. Um, you know, let's say I, I, I want that isometric shot of the Y-Wing. I want to get every detail of, of that vehicle in that shot. So, you know, that's, that's four days, three, four days. Um, unfortunately, there was some stuff excised cut out of this book that we didn't have room to cover um but you know we can talk about that in a little bit but you know that's what i do for every book now is they send someone down i set stuff up i spend, probably spend about a week um after i get home from work from about you know 5 30 till one or two in the morning just setting stuff up getting the variations ready um cleaning well no for six months before that i'm cleaning stuff and you know, making sure the stickers are nice and making sure everything's in mint condition. You know, uh, just by storing certain things, stickers will peel, uh, something will break. I'll have to give them a run through. Everything has to get run through a month before she comes out so that, like, uh, I couldn't find my, um, my, uh, what, what was the, the thing that I couldn't find this time? Oh, it was one of the, it was the radar laser cannon. Couldn't find my radar laser cannon. Not an expensive toy, but I think I discovered that like five days before she got here. So that meant I had to find something that was close by that I could buy for, you know, under 20 bucks because I wanted it sealed. Mm-hmm. So I had to get that and assemble it and get it ready to go before she got here. So 
just managing that stuff is a pain in the butt. But I've got obsessive compulsive disorder. That's all right. So the, the I also col- have the attention span of a ferret on amphetamine. So that's all. <laughs> the the collection is completely yours. All of all, everything in the uh, book. Every is yours? piece in every single one of my guides is absolutely. 100% entirely mine. I don't borrow anything. I No, I, I refuse to do that. I won't do that. No. Wow, that's great. <laughs> Mark, did I read somewhere that you have something like uh, 60,000 action figures? Uh, I, I'm i very fortunate. Now, I, I, I'll, I've got to say this. I always have to give this disclaimer. I'm not a trust fund baby. I'm not wealthy. I work, let's say, four jobs. You know, I work at the college, I do some stuff on eBay, I write my books, I work for Krause, I work for IDW, I do stuff for auction houses. I've been very fortunate in my life that, you know, I work 16, 14 to 16 hours a day, sometimes 18 hours a day. So what I've managed to do is I've, I've managed to, to buy every, let's say, action figure, accessory, vehicle, creature, playset, weapon system, trying to get every bit of paperwork, every mail away for every toy line as far back as, let's say, Captain Action, 1966. <laughs> well, that's what? Every, you're in mine or so. You name a toy oh, line, I've, I've finished it. From Migos, uh, comic action, pocket superheroes, all the figures and vehicles, type one bodies on the superheroes, type two bodies on the superheroes, the secret identity outfits, the Teen Titans, Captain Action, Spider-Man. I mean, I've, I've finished Superpowers, Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. I have the three Euro exclusives, G.I. Joe, Trent. Yes, I've, I've finished almost, at this point, I think, every major and minor toy line since about 1966. And I'm working on finishing the 12-inch G.I. Joe line. That now, is, that is amazing. You, that is beyond amazing. Now, what is? do you have a cutoff point, or are you, like, to present... When I'm well, probably when I'm dead, I guess I'll stop doing this. So, so you're collecting, like, for example, my son and I are collecting the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles line. You're doing that? Yes, I, I own those. Yeah, I actually oh. just I waited when I found out that they were going to release the new sewer play set with the the four extra with the set edition. Yeah, I, I just I just picked that up. So, what do I collect now? Uh, Star Wars, anything new that comes out? GI Joe, of course, Transformers, Generation stuff. Um, Marvel, uh, sorry, um, Marvel Legends Infinite Series, both the three and three quarter inch and the, and the six inch, uh, let's see, what else? Oh, uh, Master of the Universe Classics, anything that, that Mattel puts out for, for, uh, the DC, the formerly DC Universe stuff, I just got my, my set of six superpower, or remade superpowers so I could build my superpowers Calibac or DC Universe superpowers Calibac. I collect everything, yes, everything. Mark, do you have the Mego uh, Stretch uh, Hulk and Stretch Spider-Man and Stretch oh, Superman? Here's here's uh, the issue that I have with, with stuff like that is I've, I've got to have a cutoff point on some stuff. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's got to be a, an action figure. Okay. What I mean by that mm-hmm. is something that's, that's, that's posable, um, something that's that's in a line, and you know I I have twelve inch Mego figures, you know Batman, Robin, Hulk, Captain America, Superman, but the the stretch stuff, I mean those are so delicate, man. I mean to find those in good condition. Oh yeah, I know, I know. If I come across one and it's and it's less than you know three hundred dollars, I'll pick it up, of course. You know I'll go sell blood or whatever, but you know those those are those are a little esoteric for my purposes. <laughs> 
Ryan, who's normally on our show, isn't here tonight. But for for him, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have the Star Wars bendums? Uh, I do have the Star Wars bendum. Yes. Jason. <laughs> You're talking about the ones from 94, 95? Mark, yes, Mar- yes. Mark, you don't have to answer that. Just <laughs> Let's just move on, shall we? Well, we, were, we were so desperate for Star Wars stuff in 94, we bought whatever they gave us. Granted, granted, but even when Ryan's not here, we have to crowbar that question <laughs> into every show. Yeah. I want to I I uh, say I'm sorry, Mark. It's been with us. It's been I'm going to go back our, to mute. Since our first show, we've, we've been talking about Bendoms a little bit. Now, Mark, you with that many action figures, I'm sorry, my mind is just swirling. I mean, I you obviously have like you must own a storage complex, otherwise, you know, you'd be living in them. You'd be like, uh, you know, Scrooge McDuck diving into your piles of action figures. How do you how do you possibly store that much? Very carefully. How porcupine kiss? Oh. You know, very carefully. It's it's one of those things where, you know, I probably haven't looked at my G.I. Joe vehicles since 2009 um, when the second edition of the G.I. Joe book came out. But I could tell you where they are. I could get to them if I needed to. Um, you know, paperwork is is very delicate. So that's stored in, in many of the common areas of my house. Um, but, you know, a lot of this stuff is in, you know three 15 by 20 foot climate controlled storage spaces and basements and attics and my parents' house. And, but it's all, it's all organized so that if I need to get to something, you know, if you name a toy line, I could, you name a toy line from the last 30 years and I can tell you where that is right now. Let's go get, let's mask. do it. Mask. Um, mask. Uh, all my series of masks right now, including the, um, the uh, Rat Fang and Hornet, uh, the last piece in the line, all of that's right in my basement right now. Oh, good. Uh, you have stuff some Euro close. exclusives of that. I, I have the Euro exclusive adventure packs, too, because I thought those yep. were pretty cool. Starcom. Uh, Starcom is a line I haven't finished yet because I got bitten by the, the Euro bug for that line. Uh, the I'm trying to, to get my fourth action pod because unlike the G.I. Joe future fortress those action pods actually connect so uh starcom i'm about probably three figures and one vehicle away from the domestic collection done on that but i just started that maybe a year and a half two years ago so great so great it's amazing that's amazing well i love this stuff and it's useful to me as well i mean i'm gonna write books on everything i hope one day so hey mark specifically for the book i have a question how many of these figures photographed are actually childhood photos i mean childhood figures excuse me of the action figures yeah yes i would Just say curious 35 to 40 percent um simply because there is no way that i could ever use my my vintage my own stormtrooper for a shot or my princess anything white or anything with a label just had to be replaced because i had it when i right. was you know, when I was between six and 11 years old. So, you know, all this, a lot of stuff was, was upgraded for the book. I have many multiples of the, of the troop builder figures. I have many multiples of like the Dubacks and, and the Tauntauns and stuff like that. But, you know, um, I think, I think I have a lot of my Star Wars stuff and, and oddly enough, I have almost everything packaged, carded and boxed as well. Um, but, you know, 
and that's that's one of the complaints I'm getting about this book. I get it. I understand, which is why didn't you include all the package stuff? And I, I, I always respond with my job is utility. That's what I have to think of first. And as much as I'd love to put a photograph of a 12-back stormtrooper up, it's more important for me to get a photograph of the stormtrooper with the E-11 rifle next to him because people need to know what goes with what. So maybe in the next guide, when if we restore you know, 30 pages, because there were probably 100 photos of boxed and carded stuff that didn't make it into the book at the 11th hour. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I have every almost every playset and vehicle with their boxes. I probably have 150 carded pieces as well. So. Wow. But I mean, wow. that's utility is number one. But you know, if if we when we do a second edition, you know, and and I'll I'll speak with Jake on this. Um, Jake, did I buy a piece from you? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Uh, mm-hmm. we we oh, did you? Did well, I buy a tie bomber from you or no? No, 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 no. I no. bought I one of the, the the parts that was that was cut from the book was I have all three series the diecast vehicles and every micro collection piece as well and those all those were all supposed to go in the book they were all photographed all the flavor text was written but we didn't have enough room so we had to cut them out and and hold them for the second edition so you know I, I at the last minute I just realized my tie bomber was yellow from uh, from series three so I had to go out and buy a, a pure white tie bomber those are cheap right yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's one of the things where I can write toys off my taxes um, for what it's worth, because, you know, when I, the IRS asks me, well, you spent, you know, $300 on this tie bomber. Where did it go? I just open up the page in the book and just show them. I said I needed it for this book. That's great. We got to figure that out, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Writing toys off. Hey, Mark, um, I've kind of. You know, I'm still working on completing my vintage loose collection. I'm getting a lot closer, but I'm still working on it. The prices are continuing to increase. You're correct. You're not wrong. Right. Do you think it's because of the new movie coming out next year? Or do you think it's just more? I mean, why do you think more people are getting into collecting vintage Star Wars figures? Well, I think it's I I think it's a result of. The movie interest and what Rebels has done. I mean, if you look at if you look at, at what Rebels is doing, I mean, look at look at the original Hammerhead figure. You know, when you look at Rebels, some of these Athorians look like the Hammerhead figure, as opposed to you know what the character looked like in in the movie. So I think Rebels is has, is so closely related to the vintage line that I think that made a lot of people think about the Imperial Troop Transport. I mean, that's yeah. a popular toy now? Really? <laughs> you know, no one gave that a second thought, but now that's been featured in a couple episodes of Rebels, people want it. They've said, well, I, I, I've never wanted this for my collection before, but now it's that it's front and center. The Imperial Cruiser and the Imperial Troop Transport, all of a sudden there's a resurgent interest in this stuff. Um, but I, I think it has to do with the movie as well, you know, and that's that's one of the great the great tragedies about putting out a price guide or or a, a collectible guide is Krause always I don't want to say demands, but asks me to put prices in the book. And and the rub there is, of course, that if this manuscript goes in in March 
and I've done the math on all these prices for about a year. I'm doing research for an hour a day on these prices. The second this book comes out, the prices are automatically four to five months out of date. And because I'm writing these books, um, right before, usually right before a major media event, there's going to be a surge in interest right before that media event hits. So that's going to cause prices to spike as well. Um, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where prices are going to continue to go up. I think we're going to be surprised at what things are, are going to go up. Um, for example, you know, C-3PO with removable limbs. You could go into any comic book store in the country in the 1990s, and they had one of those, probably mint in a sealed Kenner baggie for like 3 to $5. It's, it's an entirely different price now. You know, these figures, yes, they were made in the millions. You know, what did they make? 250 to 300 million figures in the eight years that they produced the line. That's what I've heard. Yeah, Yeah. when you have 25 to 30 million people looking for this stuff, then, you know, I'm exaggerating to make a point, but then that means that there's a lot of demand for for the stuff that's out there, particularly the harder-to-find stuff. I when I was getting back into Star Wars collecting in the 90s and trying to pick up things that I wanted as a kid and didn't have and and really started focusing I pretty much skipped droids and Ewoks like it just didn't resonate with me Many but, people did for many years but but now that I've pretty much got you know I have all the other figures the uh, Star Wars through power of the force I really want to get those Ewoks and droids figures to kind of complete the the collection, the loose collection, and they are extremely expensive. <laughs> like I, it's, it's crazy. Well, and here's what I'll tell you, Jason, you got to do that now. <laughs> I mean, do it like right now because those were not made in any, you know, huge amount of numbers and they're just mm-hmm. up, you know, you're talking about cease from and people like that. Some of those harder to find characters. I remember, I think two years ago, a size from was selling for 80 to $90 a mint on card. And I said, you know what? I know I'm going to need this for the damn book. I better buy him, and I better buy Tiggy, and I better buy, you know, some of. And I was buying, you know, Uncle Gundy, twenty-two dollars mint on a sealed card. That doesn't exist anymore, um, because, you know, when you look at 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 even some of the some of the prequels, you know, they mentioned the Bunta Eve challenge in, in some of the cartoons. So as more people become aware of the droids and Ewoks. I think a lot of collectors said, I'll get those eventually. I'll mm-hmm. pick those up eventually because they're only 20 or $30 each at the most. Well, I turned around and all of a sudden they were, you know, not that anymore. Now you're looking at what I was paying for for carded stuff two years ago is what people are paying for loose specimens or even double that now. So, you know, my advice, get it now because it's only going to get much worse. <laughs> So I have a question for you. Um, I was wondering what made you decide to not look at the international market for your book, right? Because you know, one of the things, one of the things I always look at, Chris, is how can I limit my scope? How can I limit my scope? I have 272 pages to disseminate every action figure, accessory, creature, playset, vehicle 
weapon system, mail away and promotional from 1977 to 1985. I want to include droids and Ewoks and the vehicles that came with the droids line. As much as I would love to include my Palatoy Death Star and my Palatoy X-Wing, that, you know, that Palatoy Death Star, that could take up two or three pages. So that means that we're going to have to condense this down to this and move this around. Plus, philosophically speaking, Chris, I think this book sells, I sell the most copies of my books. And I'm, I'm not just talking about Star Wars, I'm talking about G.I. Joe. I'm not going to include the Origin 7. Uh, Generation 1 Transformers, I'm certainly not going to include, you know, Star Saber or Victory Leo. The reason why I limit it to domestic pro uh, product only is because the, the greatest percent of people buying this book are people who are casual fans or people who aren't die-hard aficionados. If I put a, a photo of the Palatoy Death Star in here, 25% of the people buying this book would say, what is that? Oh, I didn't know that in Canada and in Europe, this was what they got for the Death Star. 25% would say, um, what the heck is that? That's not what my Death Star looked like. Oh, this book is bullcrap. You know, it's, it's very, it's very odd. Once you get into that esoteric international stuff, plus I think the market for these books is for domestic product. There's a reason why I haven't written a G.I. Joe book that takes place from, let's say, 1997 until 2006, because I don't think we'll sell the copies of that book. What would happen if I if I wrote a second volume to the Star Wars book, uh, Star Wars 1995 to let's say 2002? Tom would buy it. Well, but what characters? <laughs> what characters are more powerful? Thank you. What characters are more powerful? Uh, ben Obi Wan Kenobi or Sayo Bibble? Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> do, do I have, do to, have, actually, Tom, do I have to answer that question? Hey, oh, I get your point. Unfortunately, Chris. Unfortunately, I'm I don't self publish my books. I work for a book company, and, and ultimately, I'm going to get the opportunity to write more books if we sell a lot of the books that I currently write. <laughs> so I've got to think about reaching the greatest amount of people with the most stuff that I possibly can. So it's a calculated decision. It's right. something that I did not take lightly at all. That, uh, Mark, that kind of brings up a good, a good point the the stuff where you mentioned the 95 through 2002 uh star wars figures those that era just does not resonate the way the vintage toys do you know tom maybe you maybe you can explain why cuz i mean i like all star wars toys i i love them all but there definitely is an an added amount of of strength and power that come with the vintage toys I think Mark said it when we started, you know, talking. It's when you look at when you're holding a, a Ben Kenobi, an old Ben Kenobi figure in your hand, you're remembering when you played with him when you were eight. You know, you remember when you were tearing him off the package at Christmas time, and you remember when you were playing with uh, with Luke in the sandbox. I think that's a huge. Um, huge draw and that's uh the, the nostalgia power of these figures is 
huge. Wasn't and that's why I think wasn't Obi Wan your bath <clears throat> your bath buddy? <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, Chris, way to make things awkward. I was I was shedding shedding a tear, and now I have to reel it back. <laughs> You know, I made the mistake of making good catch R- though of making R two D two and R five D four bath buddies, and that didn't go well. The sticker stickers did not last on those long. No, no, R two was definitely, uh, <laughs> you know, he was doomed from the start. If you were gonna, you know, if he was gonna join you for bath time, he was uh, he was gonna be in trouble no, for not, sure. Now, Tom, I'm gonna ask you, um, bring up what Mark said just just a few moments ago. What what do you feel when you hold CO Bibble in your hand? Who? CO Bibble. Who? <laughs> See my point. I'm um, not a I'm not a uh, modern collector, Mark. These guys uh, these guys always try to try to trick me into answering these ridiculous questions, but I'm not gonna fall for it. Um, hey, Mark, Did you hear that? I'm not falling for it. <laughs> Mark, have you ever gotten anything graded by AFA? I have never gotten anything graded by AFA in my entire life, no. Okay. Because I open up everything that I buy, unless, you know, I'm not a fool. If I, you know, go going back to the Palatoy Death Star or, or like a, a Captain Action Spider-Man outfit, I'm not going to open that up. But, you know, if, if there's very little difference, I... The condition I like to buy things in with figures is I like to buy them mint on opened cards, and I prefer to buy vehicles mint in box, either contents sealed or contents opened with all the paperwork and baggies and inserts. Um, I I do not buy mint on card or mint in sealed box because I'm just going to open it anyhow. Um, you know, and, and I think it would be, I think it's just taking money and setting it on fire, you know, Hey, I got a, a Luke Skywalker on 12, but no, I'm not going to do that. Um, but, but I've never gotten anything. Um, I've never gotten anything graded, but I think it's a very important service. And I think what it does is it, it, it allows a lot of my friends who are longtime collectors, it allows them to make a little bit more money. And this is a difficult hobby to make money at. So I, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think it standardizes particularly higher grade stuff, but I've never done it myself. Um, and there are some things that I probably need to, um, and I will ultimately, but you know, I'm just too busy right now. Uh, uh, but I think it's absolutely worthwhile, without a doubt. Mark, did you ever, when, when you were um, growing up, and and collecting Star Wars figures, did you ever feel like you were too old and stopped collecting them for a while, or did you collect the whole line until it ended? Well, I mean, you're talking about the vintage line. Ex- yeah, exactly, the vintage I line. Think I probably, I don't think I, I might have had a few of the Power of the Force. I didn't have any droids or Ewok stuff, so I think really. When G.I. Joe came out, my loyalties were divided, so I was buying Jedi stuff and, and Series 1 and Series 2 of G.I. Joe stuff at the same time, and once G.I. Joe really took off, um, I was so fractured, and I was so probably burnt out with, with sci-fi and fantasy that I, that I leapt to G.I. Joe, but I went, when, you know, when Dark Empire came out in Dark Horse, I mean, I that was huge for me and that kind of forced me to to go back and and finish um a lot a a good deal of my vintage line 
through Toy Shop Magazine, a magazine that I would work for later in life. Yeah, I had a similar experience. You know, through 83 and 84, I collected Star Wars and G.I. Joe. And mm-hmm. then by 85, my loyalty was completely to G.I. Joe for, the, for, for, that, for that year. Right, and I, you know, I, I did this book because I, I love Star Wars, but I, I think a lot of people know that, that I'm basically the G.I. Joe guy. I, you know, I work for IDW. I preside mm-hmm. over collections for them for G.I. Joe. And, and, but, you know, I, I've, Star Wars were, was where I started with, with the three and three quarter inch line. And, and, you know, there's once every about three years, I'll start taking Star Wars boxes out of my storage space. And for like two weeks at night for like an hour or two, I'll just start not playing with, but I'll just start opening the sealed baggies and I'll just take stuff out and I'll look at my figures and set them up and then I'll put them away and just, you know, some of the stuff that, um, that they did, even with the Clone Wars, uh, a lot of those figures and a lot of the, the vintage figure collect that stuff is just blows my mind. It's unbelievable. Um, so I, 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 have a huge passion for Star Wars. The, and thanks um, to this book, I got back there again. So, I want to step away from vintage for just a second and, and, and ask you a follow-up to that. The newer figures that Hasbro has been making, both for G.I. Joe and Star Wars, a lot of them have been extremely high quality. But it seems like they're uh, going to drifting away from that, going t- more towards basic figures that are just five points of articulation. What are your feelings on that? <sighs> I, I I don't know what I don't know what to say right now because you know I have literally have a box of of the vintage figure collection just sitting downstairs and I'm going through looking at my Obi Wan in, in in clone armor and looking at at you know uh, my Empire Boba Fett and and all these figures and I'm thinking wow these are just spectacular figures and then I you know I just opened up um, the Inquisitor with five points of articulation and I got his, uh, his tie advanced, the tie advanced for the inquisitor. And they're just, it's, it's not what I have been accustomed to for the last four or five years with the, with star Wars product. I understand that it's cheaper. I, I know I can buy them for five ninety nine. I love the black series. I think it's fantastic, but I think, to have the Black Series and the Saga stuff exist at the same time, you know, I, I want the Inquisitor with all the articulation that I'm getting with my Black Series figures. I mean, I'm speaking as a fan now. I, I want um, Kanan as, as with lightsaber, you know, articulation. I, 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 I don't like it. I, I, I'm, I'm against it. I, 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 it's driving me crazy. I mean, to have them in the same scale, but with different articulation, just boggles my mind. It, it's a bad decision. Period. It's a horrible decision. I hate it. What would you say is your uh, most favorite modern Star Wars line? Oh, man. When, when I first started getting into the, the vintage figure stuff and the vehicles and... I, I got into it late. You know, uh, there are a couple lines that I really regret not picking up the first few series. I think the original Marvel Legends in 2000, in the in the early 2000s, I went, you know. The Toy Biz? Really, well, yeah, the Toy Biz stuff, mm-hmm. where I said, 
do I really need a six or a five inch scale or six inch scale of marble plastic? Oh, I don't need these. And then all of a sudden, I think the third wave came out, and I said, "What are you doing?" And I went back and 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 bought them. And I, the same thing with with the vintage, uh, the modern vintage wine. You know, I think I skipped the first four or five series and then went back and and got it all. And I think it's the best stuff they've ever made. I mean that that slave one and and that just just the playability of that slave one, uh, even the ATS, it's just magnificent. I, I think they're they're beautiful. I think they're iconic. It, it made me happy to get that stuff. And I was I was sitting there talking to my wife today, an hour before I came on this show, and I was looking at even the Clone Wars figures. Um, I think I had uh, the Wolf figure or the Captain Rex figure, and just looking at at um, uh, who was I looking at? Uh, just looking at the details on the lightsabers and and the articulation and and some of the choices about cloth, I you know that that stuff that that era from like 2008 to to 2013 20 yeah, just that's in my wheelhouse, man. I'll I'll pull that stuff out once a month and go through it. It's wonderful. Do you think they're gonna get back to to that level of quality for the Force Awakens? I love that stuff that came out between 2008 and like 2013, 2014. I love that stuff. It's magnificent. I, I, I don't know. I, are you asking me if, do I think that when the force awakens product comes out, will it be closer to the black series or will it be closer to yeah. five points of articulation? Yes. I, have no idea. No, I don't no. know. I have no idea. <laughs> I've, I've joked with the other guys that the, the, the millennium Falcon that they'll release for the force awakens will cost $25 and you will be able to cram maybe one figure in it. It'll be oh. like a block of painted wood. <laughs> you know? I mean, and I look at that legacy collection millennium Falcon and I think, Oh my God, this is a work of art. What are they doing? What are they doing? I I'm, I'm speechless. Um, I mean, I'm still buying it. Which I think more fool me, I guess. But yeah, I'm still buying it. It's got Star Wars on it. It looks like the stuff that's on the screen, I suppose. Yeah, we we we're all kind of like that, except for Tom. Tom has uh, seen the light or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom, I hope that light's not an oncoming train. <laughs> Gosh, I hope not. T- Tom hides all his modern figures under his bed. We all know it. Well, I've best. got. I collect every Jar Jar figure that's ever been made. That's not true. Mark, what surprised you most when you were uh, compiling your uh, vintage, your, your Kenner vintage 877 to 85 collection? Did, uh, did anything jump out at you that you hadn't realized? The JCPenney exclusive Sonic Landspeeder came with a sheet and a plastic, a, a blue plastic, two blue plastic adjusters that allowed you to, to adjust the battery compartment. And I had no idea that that this, I mean, I guess it's an accessory that came with it. I had no idea that that actually existed um, until, you know, I think I sent the manuscript out. And the first thing I did was like, I, I tracked it down. I think I put a saved item search on eBay for like three months until I found it. You know, little things like that. Um, Knowing that when you look at the Dagobah playset, that when you read the instructions for Dagobah, that tree stump is purposefully removable. People are the kids are supposed to remove that big brown tree stump from the base for playability's sake. So they made it to be removable. You know, I did that. 
You did, Tom? You knew yeah. that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, for sure. Why did I not know that? There, there, well, there's little snakes and like little stuff in there. It's really cool. You can you take it apart. And... On there with like I think a bowl of food. It's, it's yeah, yeah. It's really a lot cool. Of little things that that you know you don't realize. Like I tried to read all the instructions for everything, and you know, getting the difference of the battery covers between the the uh, Imperial troops transport and the Imperial cruiser, and and trying to make sure you know I had everything in in the proper working order. Um, Trying to find a um, uh, Tauntaun with open belly rescue stomach wasn't a little bit yellowed was you know impossible even with sealed samples. Um, tracking down the power of the force coins that I needed, you know, some of those coins are quite expensive. Um, you know, there were uh, the the 12-inch Princess Leia. Um, making sure that I got one that was sealed but in really crappy shape because I needed. I needed all of her accessories plus the um, the booklet, the hair booklet that came with her that said, like, beautiful hairstyles for Princess Leia um, because, you know, it came with her and I consider it an accessory. So, you know, little things um, that I had never known before. There are, you know, at least three variations on um, on the Rancor Keeper's um, uh, get Arfi stick. There's just... There's an endless litany of stuff that I learned by writing this book, particularly about the characters, but about the figures as well, doing research, you know, going on 12 back and, and reading Gus Lopez's articles and, and going on Rebel, Rebel Scum and, and, you know, doing some solid research before, uh, you know, moving on anything. Just making sure I was in the right place when I was writing about this stuff was, was pretty challenging. A lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like the 12-inch Boba Fett has stickers on his chest, like three stickers on his chest, and no one's made any reproductions. So finding a Boba Fett that that had those stickers so you could see them was was kind of difficult. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff that that I really had to to make sure I conveyed properly in this book. Now, Mark, is there a? Uh, we know that you are. Uh, access Wikipedia quite a bit for the character backgrounds, but would you say when you're going after the action figure stuff, is there a site that you tended to lean on a little bit more than others? No. I went, if I was researching an action figure, I would go to, and here's the problem. Um, it's like, um, it's like everyone had a different perspective on on weapon variations and character variations so it was almost like chasing rumors sometimes um you know from from archive databases on the star wars collector's archive to um 12 back to the star wars ca to you know there there were so many sort sites that i kept on looking at just to confirm that I was getting stuff right, and all anyone that I looked at, glanced at for anything, had to go into bibliography simply because, you know, this is other people's work, and and anything that that I that I took, you know, words from, I had to put them in quotation marks and and make sure that I said this comes from Wikipedia. You know, Gus Lopez says, you know, stuff like that. You just want to make sure you're covering your bases. In, as far as intellectual property goes. So did you then have to pick up a lot of variations after finding out about them? 
Or did you find out that you already had? Most yeah, I mean, you know, when you have like 25 rebel soldiers from Hawk, when you have, you know, there were there were certain moments where where I kind of had to look for certain things. Um, but but I think I had a good deal of them. Uh, weapons, not so much, but figures, you know. I wanted to make sure I had uh, what's an example like Admiral Akbar. I wanted to make sure I had one that had um, the painted hands and one with painted with painted upper arms. I wanted to make sure I had the different um, shades for Lando Calrissian and Skiffguard disguise. Um, there are there were things that that I needed to get like um, uh, Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight. I wanted to make sure I had a snap cape and a sealed cape. Um, you know, there are certain things that you want to make sure you have, particularly if there's a difference in monetary value, like the Rebel Commando. Um, some of the Rebel Commando figures, almost all of them had painted faces, but very few of them, I think only the ones on Trilogo cards, had molded faces, and the difference in prices is considerable. So, you know, stuff like that I wanted to make sure I had... Um, I wanted to make sure I had all the mail-away figures still with their mailer boxes and all the paperwork, and I wanted to make sure they were still sealed in their baggies, um, just so, you know, when people looked at it, they could think about, this is what I got when I was a kid and I went out to the mailbox. I wanted to make sure I had that. So, you know, there were there were certain things that, that I wanted to make sure I had, um, just a, a lot of stuff. And I think that's why I didn't deal with the packaging as well, because... Once you get into packaging and you're talking, you know, 12A back and 12B back and 12C back and, you know, you're talking about sticker variations for the lightsaber text on the 12 back cards. And, you know, John Kellerman does that stuff, man. John Kellerman, his books are, you know, I, I think the, the most important collectible books in the Star Wars world. I mean, that the Kellerman matrices are what I think everyone should aspire to. You know, the man's a genius. So... Um, I it's, think, well, go ahead. The, the, the Kellerman book is not easy to come by these days. It's, no, it's, an, it's very expensive on the secondary market. Yeah, it took me, took me like five years to track down a, a copy that was even reasonable, but you know, the work that Gus has done, that Salvatore has done, you know, there are those guys that have been working at this for years and, and you want to make sure that, that they're recognized. You know, these guys have been doing it for Steve Sansweet. I mean, you know. I mean, he he was he he was fan representative number one, and they took care of the line. and And I think, hopefully, Gus and and Ron and and Steve. Hopefully, these are the guys going forward that are that might have more input into the line, presiding over aspects of the line. I hope because they deserve it. They're the guys who paved the way for me to do this. I have to say, one of the things I liked um, most about your book was your introduction and uh, reading about the, uh, the oil crisis and the energy crisis and and why the three and three quarter inch, how they actually moved from the big size to, to the smaller size. Um, that was all new to me, so I, I really appreciated that part. Well, and that's, you know, none of that stuff happens in a vacuum, Chris. I mean, speaking as a guy who... who before he got, you know, his Aunt Marie to buy him a C-3PO at his local Ames department store because he was the only peg warmer left in 1978. You know, I was a, a superhero, Amigo superhero head, 
So I was used to eight inch. I was used to the six million dollar man stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, when you look at at the Star Wars figures for for let's say 78, 77, 78, 79, they were branded as mini action figures. Look at those collectors cases, and the collectors cases right. don't say, "Hey, this is an action figure case." This says collectors case for mini action figures. So they they had to tout that because because of that that the embargoes and the oil crises or crises you know they had to say that these are mini action figure collectors cases but after a while it became the standard so you know they i think in the 80s they gave up right right now mark when you're out pursuing your variants and you're filling in collections everything from star wars to you know uh, Sky Commanders to every other vintage line. Are you is eBay your your main source, or do you have other routes that you go to acquire figures? It used to be, but I think I buy more stuff at at conventions and um, collectors shows than anywhere else because shipping has gotten so prohibitively high that most of the time um if i'm looking for starcom and i know i you know if i go to 12 book signings a year or something like that and i know these two guys that deal in starcom and i know they're going to be at a show i'll say to them you know the next time you come make sure you bring your starcom stuff so i can look through it you know you buy a carded starcom figure for thirty dollars and it's nine to thirteen dollars to ship it to you and he's selling it for $22 at a show. I mean, I think a lot of people are trying to buy locally or trying to buy at shows because shipping is so high. And, and the great tragedy is, you know, I went to fill up my car earlier today and gas has gone down considerably. <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean that the cost of plastic is going to go down. So and the cost of shipping is going to go down. You know, that usually just kind of stays there. So I, I buy a lot of stuff locally, but, you know, there are certain things that that you can't find. Um, and usually what I'm doing is I'm, I pay for a lot of my stuff by buying other stuff. Um, because most people know the values of, let's say the big five, DC and Marvel superheroes, star Wars, transformers, GI Joe and master of the universe. Most people know the value of the figures and characters in those lines. But when you get into Starcom and sky commanders and in humanoids, you know, I have the prices of all the, the, the secondary and the tertiary and the quaternary lines memorized. So when I go to a show, I'll know the values of that stuff. So I can, I might be able to pick up, you know, five to ten of these items and, and trade them to someone for something that I need. So that, that's how I get a lot of my stuff is either trade or, 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 you know, usually trade for stuff that I need. And so when you're when you're out in these conventions, what is your, I mean, do you have the most amazing, uh, uh, memory out there or do you know every single battle beast that you need or do you have a database that you have on your phone or usually on my phone? Yeah. On my phone, I'll, I'll have a, a document that'll say what I need. Um, um, but, but most of the stuff, when you get into paperwork, I definitely have to write that stuff down. But when you're getting into the smaller toy lines, there aren't that many pieces. So, you know, there was a point where I was buying stuff and I'd go home and I'd be like, oh, my God, did I just buy another Jake Rockwell? What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? So 
now I, I have to be very, very careful to document everything that I need. Um, hey, you know, Jake Lockwell, could, you need as many of those because he has so many outfits that you could put one per outfit. <laughs> right. I wonder if anyone's gone through that and completed a Centurion line by dressing up a figure for every outfit. That'd be interesting. That'd be expensive. It would be very expensive. And I just discovered there's a variation in the neck pieces on all those Centurions. So I oh. can track those down. That'll be fun. No, that does not sound fun. <laughs> no. But, you know, I, I like doing this stuff. I, I like being kind of an historian for, for action figures. I mean, it, it, uh, it suits me. I enjoy it. For a collector who collects toys as a hobby, you know, sometimes I know a lot of collectors feel like maybe a little sheepish sheepish about it or yeah i collect toys but when you see a book that shows the values the photos the history of the toys it kind of in a way validates what you're doing is your hobby like it says yes this is me collecting toys children's toys is important enough for someone to write a book about it well and And I, i think that does a lot for the hobby Jason, that that's my my ultimate goal is, you know, at my college, I used to be I used to write a lot of papers on Hemingway and Faulkner and American modernism and stuff. And I I presented papers around the world and I've gotten awards for that stuff. And then I I came to this kind of impasse where I'm talking with a graduate director and my graduate director says, what are you going to get your Ph.D.? What are you going to do? And I just kind of sat there and I went. You know what I want to do? I want to write, a, write about comic books and toys. And like the record skipped. And he's like, can you make money doing that? I'm like, I don't know. But, you know, when I write an article about Hemingway and, and religion and Hemingway and the occult and it gets published in the North Dakota Quarterly or the Hemingway Review or something like that, 300 to 400 people might read that. But when someone writes an an article or a book on Transformers, you're talking about tens of thousands of people. So the question then becomes, what's more important in terms of popular culture? And and I think this stuff is more important. I think I think this is the stuff that, that speaks to me. And hopefully, you know, members of my generation, Generation X and even Generation Y. And And I think to me, this is more important. So my job, you say it validates it. My job is to legitimize this stuff so that so that this is sitting in a bookstore and, and you know, it's not this this picture book. So I, I really want to legitimize this hobby. Um, I don't want all of us to be looked at like we're the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Um, I want us to be looked at as, you know, hardworking guys that in their spare time collect toys and comic books because it's something we like to do. And it's just like you, you know, playing football. It's just like you working a scrapbook or, you know, I just want to legitimize what what we all do. Yeah, and I think that's important work that you're doing. I I really do think that is important for this hobby. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you you bring up Generation X, um, are we the first generation that's this desperately trying to collect toys from our past? Because... You know, I know my dad's generation, you know, my dad or any of his friends or my aunts or uncles, I I never remember anyone trying to collect toys from like the 40s or the 50s. I know there are a few people who do collect that stuff, but 
is it our generation who started this obsessive wanting to collect the toys from our childhood? It's the chicken and the egg, really. I mean, when you look at your dad's generation, when you look at people's in the people in the 40s and the 50s, when you look at, like, let's say the big four Western heroes, you know, uh, Hopalong Cassidy and Roy Rogers and the Lone Ranger, when you look at those characters, there was nothing about that. There's nothing about those brands that endure currently because a lot of those cowboys, they didn't have films or television shows that were out of time that appear to multi-generations. I don't think they branded them well for endurance. But when you look at Generation X, I think, what's that, like 64, 1964 to 1980, those of us born in that wheelhouse, or 64 to 76 or something, it just so happened that we kind of coincided when Reagan deregulated the FCC. Mm-hmm. So... You know, they didn't have a Barbie television show in the 60s. They didn't have a Hot Wheels television show in the, in the 60s. They couldn't have a Scooby-Doo action figure line because you could either have one or the other. So when Reagan deregulated children's television and the FCC in 83, that allowed there to be 24, well, 26 or 27 minute back then, minute-long toy commercials. And those... Those were to the outsider toy commercials, but to the people who were working on the lines, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Strawberry Shortcake, My Little My Little Pony, and to the people watching the creators of those lines, those creators took those properties seriously. They didn't write them for children. They they wrote them for the fantasy. They wrote them, you know. For, for the, the perpetuity of the fiction, let's say, for the endurance of the fiction, they wrote it because they loved doing it. And it wasn't a marketing ploy. Well, yes, it was for marketing toys, but the creators weren't sitting there going, all right, I'm writing about Duke or I'm writing about Optimus Prime. How do I sell this toy better? They were trying to think of story and the best way to tell the story. And I think that's why we uh, responded to that so much and it was the first time children were marketed and branded that way and i don't think that that happened um to the extent and as visually as it did in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s plus we we were more conspicuous consumers we had more money we as kids in the 80s and the 70s had far more money than kids in the 40s 50s and 60s we had more of a disposable income so we were more powerful. We were, you know, in terms of marketplace objectives, they didn't want just want our parents' money. They wanted our money. They wanted our money from a paper route. They wanted our, our money from an after-school job. So we were making decisions. So they tailored a lot of it to us. Now, do you think we are going to be a unique generation as the next generation? Are they going to be um, hunting down Power Rangers as voraciously as we're hunting down Star Wars? Do you think that uh, the, the toys of the 90s will have that same draw as those kids start to grow up and get jobs? Because I, I don't know if I see it happening just yet, and I don't know if I see it ever happening. I don't know if there's 
the properties are have kind of burned itself out by the 90s. Now, I think they're good now, but I don't – what do you think? I don't think the properties today take themselves as seriously as some of the properties did in the 80s. I don't think they were as holistic either. I think I think some of the some of the problem is, you know, a lot of the properties today are like flash in the pan. The last really successful, really successful, really unique toy property was uh, were, were the Monster High dolls. That was the last time someone said, "Holy crap, this is unique. It does something that nothing else does." And they got it, they understood it, and now it's burning out. It's, it's, it's outlived uh, its usefulness now. Now they're getting silly with it. Um, but I think for, for 2011 and 2012, I think that was a very unique line that, that took advantage of, of the culture and really spoke to people. Um, but I, I don't see that. You know, when you go into a toy aisle now, what do you see? Let's see, Transformers? Star Wars, superheroes, and wrestling. Were any of those popular in the 80s? Mm. Do you count the uh, LJN wrestling? It was LJN, right? That did the wrestling line in the 80s? Yeah, LJN, yeah. wrestling superstars. Now, yeah. now, did you do that line? Is that included in your action figure line? That is finished. Yep, I'm done. Oh, oh my gosh. I When can we take a trip to your house right you give tours <laughs> well hopefully you won't have to i've got all the flavor text written for the website it's just a matter of finishing this federal grant by february 5th and getting the images done and hopefully that'll launch this summer but you know oh so we're doing a a what back to the 60s action figure website is that what we're hearing yeah that's i've been working on it for a couple years now and and it's it's a lot of work writing you know essentially writing what is in this Star Wars book is going to be done for every single toy line and every single toy that I own. So it's 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 a lot of work when there's only one person doing it. Of course, that's, awesome. yeah. that's fantastic. Now, is this going to be yeah, uh, very cool? Is it an archive? Is it a database? Is it a subscription? Do you sign you know, in? Are there forums? No. Track? Um, I don't even know if I do forums. I think it's more of a more of a research site like my books, where you know. Um, I want to, I want people to be able to, to, to make posts and make comments, but I think forums, that makes me nervous. Then you're, you, you've got people arguing about stuff and I think it, I want it to be a research site. I want it to be an archive. I want people to be able to look at it. You know, I want, I want people to have one place that they can go. Um, you type in Batman and all of a sudden it's the 1966 Captain Action Batman uh, you you get images, you know, small images, thumbnails of the 1966 Captain Action Batman, and next to it is, you know, the Mego removable cowl Batman from 1971, and then the Type 1 Batman from Mego, then the Type 2, and then the comic superheroes, uh, the comic action heroes, then the pocket superheroes, and then we get into the superpowers, <laughs> then we get into the Batman from Toy Biz 89. Don't forget the, Magnetic Batman. <laughs> right, right. But, you know. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where I I want it to be as as comprehensive as possible. Now I that reminds me kind of um, the same line is probably something along the lines of uh, Have you been to figurerealm.com? Yes, of course. Yeah, so probably something along that line, something that you know attempts to show information and yes. waves Figure and Realm, pictures. Very useful site. Very useful. Yeah. Site. Mark, uh, I want to get back to your um, 
to your book. Okay. If you were to if you were to page through it, um, what is your favorite Star Wars action figure? If you could just take one, who would who is who is your favorite? Well, I think from the vintage Jason, years. I think I think you kind of hit on something that that's always in the back of my mind when it comes to action figures, which is when I was a kid. What was the one item I didn't have as a kid that I desperately, what was the first thing that I wanted to get when I had, you know, enough capital as an adult to pick it up? Um, and I think that's the one that I didn't have as a kid or the two that I didn't have as a kid that I desperately wanted as an adult was, you know, R2-D2 with pop-up lightsaber and, and Han Solo in Carbonite Chamber. I, I always wanted those two. Um, and I never had them as a kid, so when I did get them, I just, you know, I was, I was very, very happy. Um, but, you know, as a kid, I think, you know, I'm flipping through it right now, I think that that Luke Hoth figure, there's something about his face, and there's something about that figure, um, Luke Skywalker and Hoth Battle here, that I really loved. I loved all the Hoth stuff. I, I just loved anything that... From the snow speeders to the to the ATAT, everything. I love the Hoth stuff. I probably my favorite toy is probably the Imperial Attack Base. Ooh. I that that mm. was just so, so much that's a strong one. That's a strong one. <laughs> Did, yeah. Now now um, another we we've talked about this uh, on our show before. Did you use that base for the Imperials or for the Rebels? I think I used that for the Imperials. Yeah, I use that for the Imperials. Um, I mean, I, I probably switched it out. I think it was more of a it was more of a meeting place than you know someone owned it. I, I you know my mom's a seamstress, and back in the day, I'd put the leaves in the in the downstairs dining room table. I'd take a bolt of remnant white fabric, throw it on top, and oh my god, I just created Ice Planet Hoth, and I'd throw that on top of it, and I was happy for like hours. You know, and put like uh, towels underneath the the white fabric so it would be mountains, and then get a tauntaun out. Oh my god, yeah, that they were they were so playable. Star Wars figures, they were so playable. And you know, maybe maybe I'm I'm casting aspersions on the five points of articulation on these new figures too quickly, um, because maybe maybe getting back to to the simple stuff. You know, portraying them to that romantic ideal that I talked about, I think, the first time I was on. Right. Making them iconic and and more simple. Maybe that allows the kids who are buying these figures to use their imaginations a little bit more. Tom, did you – I think you posted on Facebook. Did you recently pick up some some loose vintage figures? Yeah, I, I picked up – what did I pick up? I, I picked up uh, kind of expanding into Empire. Mark, I'm, I'm, my focus is the first 21, but I'm dabbling – further and further down the line it happened it yeah yeah it tell me about it so yeah i got a i got a nice little run of uh, uh picked up a nice death uh death star droid which was oh my god it's just minty as the day is long it's a beautiful uh, beautiful packaging too man. yeah when you can find oh yeah when you can find a, a mint death star droid uh you know locally as we were discussing oh, this that, earlier, that man, happened. that is, that is a score and a half. And Particularly uh, the, the shoulders on that figure, that, that black paint and on the eyes rubs very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I know for sure. So the, I was really lucky to have, uh, to find this one and yeah, that just a handful of, of other great figures. And I'm 
boy, I'm always on the lookout to to get a nice minty one. I'm a little I'm a little uh, crazy because nothing will do unless it's minty. And the um, the luckily the amount of um, figures of vintage figures that are still out there that are mintier are incredibly plentiful if you look closely or if you look close enough or shop around long enough you're definitely going to find what you're looking for oh absolutely just all you got to do is take your time um you know don't the key is don't rush into into buying any of the star wars stuff ask for more pictures you know that you know everyone has a cell phone now they can take pictures in five seconds and upload them yeah, and usually the cell phone cameras are pretty good, unlike the iPhone six. So, always ask for more pictures. It takes five seconds. Well, as anybody that listens to our uh, podcast here knows, um, the Seattle area is heavy with collectors, but also we have been blessed with some amazing collectible shops up here. So we are very, very fortunate. Like Toy Stable. Uh, I'll tell you, but Lynn and Dick, I've bought. Probably, I bought thousands of dollars worth of stuff from Lynn and Dick Husted at, at the Toy Stable. This is going to break your heart. Uh, <laughs> Lynn, no. Lynn sold the Toy Stable. No. And, and, and it's moving in February to a, a strip mall. No. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, I bought we, so wonderful stuff. We are going to have one last trip to the Toy Stable um, in its original location, I think, in February, guys. Were we talking? Oh yeah, I'm all, yeah. all for yeah. that. Yeah. One one last time, Mark, you're welcome to join us if you. Oh, that's <laughs> great. And we've got to get uh, we've got to get Lynn out there too, you know, uh, yeah. before we. We should take her out to lunch that day. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. She, she's one of the old school dealers who would take a list, and if anything came in, she'd give you a call, and oh, she was great. Yes, very knowledgeable. Uh, I think I bought almost my entire real Ghostbusters collection from them. Oh, um, yeah. in really good condition. Um, and my a lot of Dino Rider stuff I bought from. But uh, yeah, they, Lynn and Dick were great. That was a great place to buy stuff. Lynn just has so much toy knowledge in her yep. mind. It is just unbelievable. That's how I spent my college. Is she used to have it in a different location that was right by my college. And so between classes, I'd run over. And I was a college kid, so I didn't have any money. But we would talk action figures. All day long. So, yeah, it is. Uh, it's sad not to see her uh, any longer when we take out, take our trips to the toy stable. I'll have to. I'll have to shoot her a, a phone call this week and and talk to her because I've I've spoken with her a number of times and I know I've placed a bunch of orders with them. But <laughs> oh, what a shame that that place really served collectors well for a number of years. Oh yeah. The uh the last the last date it is going to be open in the original location is February 15th, 2015. Have a comment or question about the show? Email us at galaxyoftoys@gmail.com. At Follow us on Twitter at Galaxy of Toys and find us on Facebook, facebook.com/galaxyoftoys. Remember, you can listen to older episodes from our Podbean page at galaxyoftoys.podbean.com. Or search for us on iTunes or Stitcher Smart Radio. Um, that will wrap it up. So I'd like to thank everyone on the show. Um, Tom from iGroupStarWars.com. Have a good evening, everybody, or morning, or whenever you're going to be listening to this. And a we'll, happy, uh, what's that? <laughs> and a happy holiday. That's right. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs>
from JediBusiness.com, Chris B. Thanks for having me. And uh, Mark, congratulations on a uh, fantastic book. Thank you. I'm glad you could join us. Awesome. Thank you for coming, Chris. Oh, right on. So from 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 forlamdezuckis.com. It's Jake. Been a pleasure. And Mark, we appreciate it, man. Fantastic book. Thank you. No problem. No problem. And then thank you, Jason and Tom and Jake and Chris for having me on. Yes. Um, and, and Mark, yeah. before before we let you go, let sure. everyone know exactly how they can get your book. Okay. Well, immediately. <laughs> immediately, really the best place to get the ultimate guide to vintage Star Wars 1977 and 1985. Get it on Amazon. Amazon usually has a location within 30 minutes of you, so it'll be delivered in like a day or two. That's where it's it's most likely the cheapest. You can, if you type it into your uh, your Google search, it'll pop up everywhere from Walmart to Books a Million to Barnes and Noble to Amazon. It's it's literally everywhere, and they should should be fully stocked with copies at this point. But thank you guys for your support. Thank you to all the listeners out there as well for le- letting me ramble on a little too much. I think tonight. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you on the show. No that problem. Will- that will do it for now. Um, we will our next show. I think we're gonna have Matt Fox on. We're gonna talk about the best and worst of Star Wars figures and toys from 2014 for Galaxy of Toys. This is Jason. Good night, but not goodbye. Just one more round, friend. Then a homeward bound, friend. Don't forget me in your dreams. Just one more song, friend, and then so long, friend, the nights get shorter, it seems. Just one more rhyme, friend, yes, it's a crime, friend, but you know time, friend, time can fly. So it's good night, friend. Good night, but not goodbye.